0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to our panel podcast entitled Pivot to Positive Markets, where we'll look at the investment outlook for 2023. It is the 5th of December. My name is Lorna Denny, and I'm joined today by Seamus Lyons and our special guest, Chris Igo of AXA Investment Managers. Financial markets have been battered this year by runaway inflation and fast rising interest rates, so much so that 2022 will go down as the year where there was nowhere to hide but as the year ends, inflation could perhaps have hit its high-water mark. Today, we'll focus on whether interest rates too will reach a peak in 2023, meaning central banks can pivot towards lower rates. Who will reach this inflection point first among the major central banks, and how might financial markets respond? Seamus, could I please ask you to set the scene by giving a few highlights of financial market performance this year?
1: Hi Lorna. Yes, it's been a pretty interesting year and not in a positive way either. So we're likely to end the year with most mainstream classes down and some by a reasonable measure as well. So January set the tone with bond and equity markets selling off on rising interest rate concerns. And this would obviously be a dominant theme for most of the year. In late February, we had the Russian invasion of Ukraine, which sent energy prices soaring and drove equity markets lower again. Not to be outdone, the second quarter of the year proved to be even more painful. This is where markets really began to worry about the consequences of the highest level of inflation we've had in over 40 years. And in response to that, central banks began to ratchet up interest rates at a great degree. June saw so the first 75 base points increased by the Fed since 1994. We've had another three of those since. And the ECB and other central banks also began to raise rates as well. Markets did actually enjoy some brief respite in the summer months. As investors' hopes grew for a pivot from the central bank tightening. But then there was a speech at Jackson Hole by Fed Chairman Jerome Powell, where he gave a very sober and hawkish outlook for rates, and markets again began to sell off on the back of that. So by the end of September, actually, most equity markets were in bear market territory, and many of the bond markets were on course for their worst year on record. However, though since October, we've actually seen some positive developments with. It. Increasing signs that the inflation picture may be improving and growing expectations that central banks will begin to tone down their hawkish monetary policy. So as we enter the final weeks of the year, the market mood definitely seems a bit less negative than it was not that long ago.
0: Thank you for that. And as you described, there has been a significant rally since October. Chris, is this all down to softening rhetoric from the US Federal Reserve?
2: I think that's a large part of it, definitely. But also, as Seamus has outlined, markets have adjusted a lot already in 2022. And if we think about the bond market, you know, yields at the beginning of the year were very low in Europe. They were still negative in some cases, and there's been a big adjustment, 300, 400 basis points movement in yields and, and interest rate expectations. I think one of the things we always need to keep in mind is it takes time for these things to impact on the real economy. I think it was Milton Friedman, US economist, once said that monetary policy acts with long and variable lags. And we've had a lot of tightening already this year. And it makes sense that central banks are now saying, we've done a lot, we need to assess the impact, and we may need to slow down in terms of further interest rate increases. So the market is definitely focused on that view. There's no question that we'll probably see you know one or two more hikes from the major central banks, but we're closer to the end. And that's given markets some cause for not exactly optimism, but certainly better sentiment than was the case earlier in the year.
0: Yes, closer to the end is, is a good way of looking at it. But the Fed has also, though, has consistently been at pains to convey this message of higher for longer on interest rates.
2: Yeah, and I think, again, you know, it makes sense from an economic policy point of view, because historically, When you have these periods of fairly aggressive monetary tightening like we've had this year, it still takes time for inflation to come down. You know, core inflation, which is what they're really concerned about, tends to be quite sticky. And it will take a year or even two years to get it back down to anywhere close to the kind of 2% level that they had as a target prior to this inflationary period. So what they don't want to do is declare victory too early. And that means that rates... Say they go to 5% in the US, they will stay there for some time. The challenge for the Fed, I think, and for markets is that it takes time for inflation to come down, but it doesn't take that long for the economy in terms of real activity to respond. And we're already seeing that, obviously, from a lot of the economic data. So there'll continue to be this kind of game of chicken, I think, between the markets and the Fed about when they will, first of all, stop raising rates and when they will start cutting rates. My view at this point in time is that it'll be some time before they're able to signal a cut in interest rates. So we're talking about the end of next year at the earliest.
0: It's a technical point, but the recent rally in the bond markets has, of course, itself eased financial conditions, whereas the Fed is really looking to tighten conditions still. How might the Fed respond to this short term then?
2: I think it's difficult for Powell or any of the other Fed officials to do a, a rerun of Jackson Hole because they were responding to a rally in the markets in July when they were a long way away from kind of achieving getting monetary policy into restrictive territory, which is where they want it. So I think it is more challenging. So I think we'll continue to hear that higher for longer message. But of course, the Fed also has the option of doing more with the balance sheet and reducing the balance sheet and tightening conditions that way by you know reducing the amount of central bank reserves in the system and it's been doing that in a kind of passive way so far, but it always has the option to do that in a more active way. And that might not mean them doing much, but it would be a strong signal that they want financial conditions to remain quite tight.
0: Yes, that's fair enough. But nonetheless, would you expect the Fed to be the central bank to hit the pivot point in interest rates first?
2: I would, but we also have to take into account that probably the UK and European economies are a lot weaker than the US. So actually, you know, it could be there it could be closer to home for us that we see the peak in, in rates coming first. I think the Bank of England, ECB, has not been as clear about their more medium-term outlook in the same way that the Fed has been. And obviously, there's more risk on the real growth side in the European economies, largely because of the energy situation. So that could be the surprise that either the Bank of England or the ECB signals a, an earlier end to the rate-hiking cycle.
0: Indeed. As we know, though, bond prices typically respond to interest rate movements, or expected interest rate movements, if we turn to the equity market, Seamus, what has been driving the rallies we've seen there?
1: Well, it's very much been the same story here too, Lorna. So bonds and equities have been very correlated this year and moving in tandem for much of the year. So equity markets, they don't mind a bit of inflation, but they don't like very high levels of inflation, given its dampening impact on economic activity. So when hopes grow that inflation is starting to come under control, markets tend to respond very positively. So when the October CPI print came out, I think it was around mid-November, and it showed inflation was slowing much more than expected, equity markets reacted very positively to this. I think that the Nasdaq was up. Up over 7% on the day. And we actually saw something similar happen back in August when, again, there was another CPI figure that came out better than expected. So, you know, markets like that. And obviously, equity markets are also very much linked to what's going on in the interest rate side of things. Higher rates, damping economic activity, which in turn reduces growth and corporate earnings. So, any improving picture here or the, the potential for a Fed pivot is always going to be taken well by equity markets as well.
0: You mentioned the economic outlook, and it does remain fairly tough is it possible that equity markets have got ahead of their own fundamentals?
1: Yes, I think that could well be the case. So, you know, most equity markets have enjoyed a pretty strong rally since early October, you know, well into double digits in many cases, though. And much of this seems to be on the premise of a Fed pivot. But, you know, the, the Fed has been very adamant for a while now that rates will remain higher and for longer. And whilst the inflation picture is definitely improving, it may well have peaked and reduced from here, You know, it is still very elevated and it's going to take a long while for the inflation to revert back to that target levels and so this you know is all going to weigh on economic activity and on corporate earnings whilst that's taking place And on the corporate earnings side, we have seen some downgrades here in recent months, particularly some of the forecasts for earnings in 2023. They need to really probably see a bit more cutting in terms of the rates there. Just things a bit too optimistic, certainly for the latter half of next year in terms of the earnings growth rates there. So there are definitely some difficult times ahead for equities. And given the recent rally, I think it just increases the chances for a bumpy ride for equities for next year.
0: Yes, that's interesting. And there's been talk throughout the year of economic slowdown, even recession, Chris, is it fair to say we might have reached an inflection point in central bank intentions? So instead of providing support to their economies, as has so often been the case since the great financial crisis, are they instead looking to crush growth near term in order to drive inflation out of the system?
2: Well, I think that's definitely one way of putting it. I mean, the causes of inflation are quite complex. You know, we have to go back to COVID and the supply chain disruptions and then the energy crisis and coming after a very, very long period of a very low inflation. So economic agents, consumers and firms have responded very quickly to us to so this big surprise on the inflation front. And that runs the risk of seeing inflation become more embedded. And, you know, we see here in the UK, all this industrial action by trades unions is a response. To declining real uh, wages, and, and some workers are responding to that. We've seen prices go up; companies put up prices as well in response to increases in their own costs. So central banks need to impact on the one thing that they think they can control, and that is, you know, the cost of borrowing, in the hope that that will slow down demand relative to supply, and we get back to a more equilibrium level of, of inflation. And I think we can wave goodbye to the QE era; that is now consigned to history for the time being. Not saying. We we won't use those tools again in the future. But for now, it's about getting the inflation rate down. And that means the interest rate and financial conditions are going to remain tighter than they have been in recent years. And many investors won't have kind of lived through a period where rates are higher. So there's a challenge for not only consumers and companies, but also for investors who get used to this new environment that we're in. But certainly the tone and the target of the central bank has changed. And I don't see it going back, you know, to where we were during those years that you mentioned unless we have a very, very deep recession in the next year.
0: Yes, well, looking at this new environment then, Seamus, what would you see as the main drivers for equities in
1: 2023? Yeah, sure. I actually think a lot of the drivers will just be continuation of the factors that have impacted markets this year. So the level of inflation and its pace of moderation towards you know target levels, that's again going to be key. Monetary policy is obviously going to be still on the horizon. All eyes are going to be on the Fed for when they stop raising rates. And then more importantly, when they begin to reduce them once again. Corporate earnings, they might come to the fore a bit more this year they've been pretty resilient for much of 2022 however next year could prove more difficult as you know revenues for these companies fall and the prices rise and what will still be an inflationary environment so you know we're expecting weaker growth and possible recessions in many of the key markets and depending on how long and how deep these recessions last you know that's going to obviously have a big impact in equity markets And maybe a quick word on China. China has again endured another very difficult year in 2022. But there are growing signs of an easing in their strict zero COVID policy. And so we might finally see some better performance from here. Indeed, if the Chinese economy was to begin firing once again, this could well be a catalyst to lift global growth and drive demand.
0: And Chris, how does all that work for the bond markets?
2: Well, I think the level of yield that you can get now in, in the bond market is so much more attractive than it was a year ago. So it's made investors a bit more interested in fixed income again. It's still a defensive asset class, a defensive strategy, but you're getting more income potential from these high yields without having to take more risk. You know it was the case when yields were very low that investors were having to take on more credit risk or more duration risk in order to get higher yields well today you don't have to do that you can invest in something relatively safe and get a decent yield for example i was looking at the u.s corporate bond market investment grade one to three year maturities the yield is over five percent and it hasn't been that high for a very long time so at xym we run a lot of these short duration bond strategies they're very attractive to me at the moment the longer duration part of the market it's less clear because yields have come down again quite a lot over this fourth quarter. But for the institutional investors that need to you know, buy bonds to match their pension liabilities or, or insurance liabilities, the market is again offering better levels of yield than it did for some time. So I think overall, positive returns from fixed income are likely over the next 12 months. They'll be small, but they'll be positive, which is a nice change from the last two years. And the market, I think, gives multi-asset investors that opportunity to have some bonds in a portfolio and they'll act as a hedge against equity exposure, which they haven't done for a few years because of positive correlations between the two asset classes.
0: It's good to hear of some positive investment opportunities, but it's clear that markets have been fixating on this pivot in interest rates for the last couple of months. What are the other big themes we should be looking out for in 2023? Seamus, I'll come to you first.
1: Sure. I'm going to mention the word inflation again. I know we touched on this a lot already, but I have a sense that inflation may linger higher for longer than expected and markets are just going to have to get used to this. So that's not out of the picture yet. But another interesting theme could be deglobalization. So this is a trend that's been increasing in recent years with the U.S. by association with the West trade with China and its allies are going to fall further. So this could be an issue and obviously it's not going to help the inflation picture either. So that's another trend which I think is going to grow further. I also, actually, in terms of market dynamics, I think we might see a changing of the guard in terms of leadership. So in recent years, we've seen the mega cap growth companies, particularly in the U.S., often known as the FANGs. They've been delivering supernormal profits for such an extended period now. As a result, they've become the largest companies in the world. But, you know, I don't see this theme continuing. They're going to have slower growth. There's increasing regulation, deglobalization saturated markets you know these are all headwinds they are now facing and then some of the tailwinds that they've had you know low interest rates cheap supply chains these are also not supportive either as they once were. so i think that's an area that's going to change actually maybe in terms of sectors for next year i think financial stocks they've had a good year in 2022 but maybe again next year they could be one of the areas to out for
0: and over to you chris
2: i think um one of the interesting potential developments is around energy you know oil prices have been high they've come down a bit recently but because of high energy prices it's allowed the energy sector in the equity market to perform very well i think the energy sector is the only sector that's got positive returns this year because you know higher oil prices and gas prices generate these super normal profits and that's been to the benefit of those companies that it'll be interesting to watch that because been happening since the Russian invasion of Ukraine is that governments around the world have been trying to diversify their energy sources and boost renewable potential. And, and I think all of these may come together and drive traditional energy prices lower over the next year. And that would mean that that, you know, leadership that the energy sector had in the stock market would come to an end. But it would also be very beneficial to the broader industrial sector if energy prices more reasonable levels. So that's a kind of optimistic view. But I think what happens to oil prices as we go into a period where is slowing, but also there's lots of structural changes in the energy market. It tend to be one of the more positive development in 2023.
0: And again, could get a sense of hope there. Seamus, how does all this impact the Arkitas outlook for assets as we move into the new year?
1: Yeah, so following the recent positive developments on the inflation front central bank monetary policy as well. We sense that the backdrop for equities and bonds is less negative than it was. And also we're seeing, you know, investor sentiment improving dramatically. So our preference at present is to reduce relative risk in our portfolios into the year end for reassessing earlier in the new year. With this in mind, you know, we've recently gone back to neutral in equities. Whilst 2023 is definitely going to bring its own challenges, you know, we may even see a bit of a hangover, you know, in the early weeks of the year after a strong finish to, to this year. Barring some negative developments, we sense that actually markets might remain resilient into the year end. So equities is an area we're less negative on than we have been. Also on the bond side, we moved to neutral duration there a month or so ago. It's been an area we've been underweight for most of this year. So in the near term, we expect yields to remain somewhat range bound. I mean, the Fed fund is likely to get to like 5 or 5.25 in the next few months. You know, pressure is definitely going to return in yields for sure. But for now, we think the markets is going to remain focused on the improving dynamics here. Our main active call at the moment actually is on investment grade credit. So, So Chris mentioned it a minute ago in terms of the Yields now on offer and some of these asset classes, particularly U.S. credit, but just global credit in general, you know, it's very attractive. But we think as well, why it's more interesting now is we've a bit more of a benign near term outlook. And this allows you to kind of clip that additional carry that that's on offer without the risk of credit spreads widening. So, yeah, that's definitely an area we also like at the moment.
0: Thank you for that. Finally then, after a year when markets were blindsided by events in Ukraine, what black swans or the unknown unknown events might catch the markets off their guard in 2023?
2: Chris? Polishing the crystal ball, Um, I think... One thing that we always have to be concerned about when we're in these periods of monetary tightening is, is some kind of liquidity event or financial instability. We had a bit of a taste of that with the UK gilt market at the end of September, but I would I'd be watching closely what's going on in crypto world. We've had some volatility there. Essentially, there's something, an increase in volatility will break out somewhere as the Fed continues to tighten and as liquidity, particularly at the short end of the of the money market curve, becomes more stretch. Remember that the Fed is reducing its balance sheet and the level of reserves in the system. And I think that could be a, a cause of some tensions in, in some parts of the market. I'm not sure where it will happen. That's the problem. Is you're never sure where these bouts of volatility will break out. But I think around some of the private debt markets, or leverage loans, or just in uh, strategies that have relied very heavily on cheap financing, we could see some outbreaks of market volatility, and that may be something that threatens a kind of systemic stability that the Fed may eventually have to respond to.
0: And what about for you, Seamus?
1: Definitely, always hard hard to call, but um. I think in China, President Xi getting a third term and essentially now having absolute power is definitely going to have some big consequences. So, I mean, just some obvious ones in terms of maybe geopolitical conflicts and more aggression with the us but but even just i think actually internally you know you begin to see a little bit already but more unrest protest but just really a greater kind of instability and again it's hard to see how it actually might play out but i just think you might see a bit more instability there and some unintended kind of um consequences or unexpected think, events happening and you know given its importance to the global economy if it gets ugly there it could have some large global consequences given how reliant we are on some of the, the products it's producing so yeah i, I just think um that's definitely an area. And it may not be a story for 2023, but, you know, definitely in the years to come, I think President Xi have an absolute power in China. is a bit of a scary thing, to be honest, and not just for the rest of us globally, but I think also for a lot of people in China. And hence, you might see some kind of bit more instability there in the back of that.
0: Well, as ever, we shall see how events unwind. But in the meantime, thank you both very much indeed.
1: Thank you, Lorna. Thank you.